Okay, we're, we're working. I can use this. Um, let's just put the morning to prayer. Father, thank you for, um, for this journey. Thank you for the honor to serve. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in our hearts at this time. We thank you for your truth and your spirit. We thank you, Father, that your promise is to lead us unto all truth. I just pray you protect us, Father, from anything that is not of you, any deception, that you continue to lead us with your life, that we may truly just represent who you are. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for the road that we have to ahead together. We commit this morning to you, Father. We pray that you may be blessed. We just lay this at your feet. We pray that your will be done in the precious name of our Savior, our Groom, and our King, our precious Yeshua. Um, thank you for the prayers this morning. It might have been an answer to some people's prayers. Um, I woke up Friday and uh, I actually couldn't speak. <laughs> and... Uh, I was sitting there going, okay, this is interesting. And then uh, yesterday, um, I was almost sort of completely down and out. And uh, slowly but surely it came right. But I might have a little bit of a head cold still and uh, a little bit of sputtering. So I do apologize for that. But for those who have been praying for me, I really appreciate it. Um, I literally, on I think it was Friday morning, I literally couldn't speak. And I was like, going, wow, <laughs> unbelievable. Anyway, um what uh, what I do want to reiterate is, and really what Greg was saying, and he saved me a little bit of time this morning because um, I think we actually are really on the same page. The pursuit in all of this is him, right? Knowledge is an outcome. And if it's not living knowledge, then it will bring death. But if it's an outcome of his spirit and truth, it brings life. Has anybody found themselves a little bit more in their scriptures lately than, than before? Because if you have, that can be his living truth coming into us. What is, what is the way we view this? The eyes of our heart or the battleground of our minds? We have an honest position before him and each other. But today we get to look at some very interesting, uh, very interesting things. It's probably anybody who knows me. It, it's a little bit more my most favorite subject. Um, it tends to really uh, uplift my spirit. And it's funny. Um, I should be more. I think and some people would think, well, will you speak regarding, you know, the appointed times and things like that. But I can tell you right now, I'm really not interested that much anymore in the schemes of the enemy. I'm really not. I'm actually getting excited about the plans of the groom. I really, really am. I had some beautiful, some of the testimonies that have come into this week. Thank you very much. It really, really is encouraging to my soul. And to see that people are actually leaving that fear-based thinking on this. And actually looking at this through a love model. And uh, I've been the recipient of enjoying that. Um, those testimonies also, too. Some testimonies have come as far away as America and other things. People online listening. Um, it's just interesting. Some things that are going on. And I've, I've had the honor of at least having some testimony given back to me that way. So, um, But what I want to do is encourage you is that you've been on an interesting journey. Your prayers are answered for many of you. This is the last week I'll be speaking on the series. <laughs> I know many of you have been on your knees every week. When will the Lord answer my prayers? Well, it finally happens after today. Um, 
However, um, I do need to share something with you that did come in on Friday. Um, it will disturb a couple of you or a few of you. Um, it is a little alarming, but I'd be remiss. I got a hold of this on Friday, and I do need to um, I do need to share it with you and be honest about what I've come across. I'm not working. There now, I had to be honest with what I, what I was given. What's really sick about this is the unity. They all appear to be holding hands. I might have to get you to click them. Unless I can get set up with another clicker. I don't know what's going on here. Okay. So the first week, where have we been in this? End times prophecy, marriage covenant through a Hebrews lens. So we've been looking at this appointed times. First week, if it's possible to set up the other clicker, that would be really, really handy. Where are we at? So we looked at truth and tradition. What is Israel? Love versus fear-based model. That was week one. Week two, the appointed times of spring priest. Prophecy fulfilled. Um, then we looked at the appointed times of the fall feast. Prophecy to be fulfilled. Uh, for any of those who aren't on this full journey. Um, no, I'm not going again. Then last week we, w- we looked at the great deception. Um, that was a little bit interesting. Was that challenging for a few people? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the reason why, I mean, we couldn't do something like this without being um, honest to the full counsel and the word of God. But the real thing from last week is simply this message. Let me sum it up. If you have a groom that loves his bride and his bride is going to face deception, would a groom that loves her Warn her in fear, or would he warn her out of love? See, even the things like the great deception and all these kinds of things are things that we should not steer away from because know that it is a groom riding to that which he loves. And there's just not fear involved in this. But if we ignore parts of the counsel of the Word of God, we do this to our peril. So we even looked at some difficult things last week, like the great deception. However, that is a very, 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 very small part of this. Because what he has got is an eternal plan. And what you've been invited to is his plan. And his plan goes far beyond even just the time span of our lives or even what little bumps on the road we might meet before our groom shows up. He has a next stage to his plan. And if you are his bride, if you are one of his, I believe that you are. Are you interested in just having a little sneak peek at what's next? Because I tell you, this one, by the way, 
Somebody sealed up for a thousand years. Did anybody know who sealed up for a thousand years? Lucifer. He doesn't get to participate in this one. This is interesting. What is he actually doing here? What is this thing called the thousand year reign, the final stage of his plan? There are people that believe this is just an allegorical thing. There's people that don't believe that this is actually literal. There's those who don't care. And there are those that believe when they look at this subject and the certain, certain religious and cults and sects that actually think this is all about a paradise on earth. None of which I believe are true at all, if we're honest with Scripture. Okay, so we looked at the appointed times. When we do this, <laughs> the... Greg mentioned the, the wristwatch of the heavens this morning and uh, a gentleman that I uh, work with, he's actually an illustrator that's working on a project with Pitt Gumbel and myself uh, called Bible Pathway Adventures. But he's been learning a lot of these things as we've been going through uh, this whole matter himself. And so he went and looked into things himself. And uh, he's an elder or was an elder at one of the fellowships in, in America. But he actually asked his son, his little son, and he said... <laughs> What do you think the stars are all about? This is a seven-year-old boy. And he does a cartoon called The Little Mices, but he put the moment he had with his son into the cartoon. So if you don't know this testimony, most people reading the cartoon strip would have no idea that this was actually a real moment with him and his son. And he asked his son, why do you think the stars were created, Chester? It's not his son's name. And this was his son's response. And he, it, it, it really pulled him back. He said, I think it's God's way of saying he'll leave the lights on until we're home. You guys listened to an hour of me rabbiting on about the Maseroff. And the eyes of a child summed it up in two seconds. Isn't that beautiful? Anyway, I thought I would share that. It took me back. It took him back. And he shared it with me. So. So, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. By the way, this wasn't planned by anybody, but we've actually been doing this whole series of what's called the counting of the Omar. Next week is, does anybody know it? Shavuot, Pentecost. This was the time we were to gather as a body and look at matters and repent and turn to him and seek his truth. Do you know, interestingly enough, we've just happened to be going through this interesting thing called the appointed times exactly in this space. Um, I'm really looking forward to next week because we've got a very special time together to understand Shavuot and to understand what Pentecost is. But you've been on an interesting, we've all been doing it on this interesting journey. So I guess God knows what he's, what he's doing here. Then we looked at Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles. And then we're on to today, the last great day. So what is this? Does anybody remember what this is in the timeline? So the Feast of Tabernacles is the... Wedding feast. And after the wedding feast, there's one stage left. A thousand year reign. Why? We're wed. What the heck's going on? What would be the purpose for this? Don't we just now go into eternity, into heaven? What if I told you that as a part of the journey of the bride, when he says, come follow me, who reigns as the high priest and the king right now? We're in the suffering servant position. 
He wore that first. He's the ultimate walk, doesn't he? He's actually demonstrating everything ahead of time. And as he walks forward, guess what's happening in the next stage? Guess what you're headed to? Kings and priests. For what reason? With who? Fascinating, isn't it? Why would this be a part of the plan? Because after this thousand years, we're headed for eternity. What does this mean? He called and all must appear before the judgment seat of Messiah. The judgment seat of Messiah. Does everybody know the judgment seat of Christ? We'll all appear before it. It's good news if you do, by the way. But there's a reason for it. He's choosing something. The scriptures tell us, for many are called, but few are chosen. We learned in the Hebrew wedding model that the invite goes out. Who chooses the bride? The Father. We're heading for something that's all a part of our journey. He's finding out how much do we love him? How much do we want to know him? We get stuck on the justification part, don't we? Oh, I'm saved. Now I can get back to my life. Is that what he died for? So he created you so you could be born, so you could be saved, and he was just going to, what? What if there was a greater purpose he was looking for somebody? Somebody to walk forward into eternity with. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone may receive the things done in the body according to what they have done, whether good or bad. Here it says, many, many will profess. Didn't we, didn't we? Do you know they're actually pleading? Actually pleading at this point. Didn't I? They're not sitting there arguing. His answer was, this is Matthew 7, 21, 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never what? Loved you? I never saved you? I never knew you. The word there, the Greek is intimate knowledge. Bride's being chosen here. You may not really realize just how incredible what is going on right now in this fellowship and a leadership team and an eldership team and pastoralship. That we're all walking together with. That was led enough by the Spirit to actually look into these matters. And to let you have a chance to look into these matters. Scripture tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately sick. Who can understand it? What's the answer? We're heading for a heart judgment. He's going to look into our hearts. Search the hearts and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. This is Jeremiah. Wow. You mean Jeremiah is speaking about the judgment seat of the Messiah? Absolutely. And at the end of this, let us be glad and rejoice. The marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Why? What is this? We've gone from bride to wife. The last great day. 
But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. One day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years, but of a day. In the appointed times, at the end of the wedding feast, the end of tabernacles, you'll find in Leviticus as it rolls right on. After the seven day wedding feast, we're then on to the eighth day. This shall be a holy convocation unto you and you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Now, this is interesting. We are to be refined in the fire. I counsel you to buy gold of me refined in the fire. Just hold on to these statements. Also on the 15th day in the seventh month, you will have been gathered in as fruit of the land and you shall keep a feast unto the Lord. Seven days, this is tabernacles. On the first day shall be a Sabbath and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. We're entering in a complete and utter thousand year Sabbath. What does that mean? In the next stage, here's some statements I'm just going to give you that sit in scripture. We're going to look at a few of them. The bride will be in their resurrected bodies without iniquity. So you're going to be in a resurrected state. Why? Because we know it trumpets. What? The dead in Christ shall rise first and those who are alive shall be caught up. You're heading into your immortal state. Corruption must put on incorruption. We see this in scripture. But for what reason? We will have interdimensional capabilities. Really? Anybody know that? We'll have a little look at that. We will reign with Christ as kings and priests. I've got here, what are the heavenly houses? I've got a question mark there. We'll look at that briefly. Messiah will literally reign 1,000 years. King Yeshua from his temple. We will start with his bride, we will start with his bride and the remnant of Israel following the appointed times of the fall feasts. Future millennial temple does not mention gold. Why? The biggest feature of the temples being built right throughout scriptures, the biggest feature in it was the gold. Yet the last eight chapters of Ezekiel, which is describing the millennial temple, which, by the way, he oversees the building himself. So whatever they're planning to build right now in Jerusalem, where they ever build anything in Jerusalem, I assure you, is not the one that he's going to reside in. But there's one thing missing from it, the gold. Go back to that for a sec. Look at this one. People will still be able to die. hundred years old will be considered young, by the way. What's the wages of sin? You mean sin's still going to be present on the earth? Entropy appears to be in slowed down. Entropy, the winding down of energy, second law of thermodynamics. Basically, we're all winding down. We're getting older. Our garments are growing old. This apparently is going to be slowed down. I actually believe this will be the presence of him here himself. Literally, his presence slows down this process. Isn't that neat? There will still be animal sacrifices in the new temple. Whoa. Anybody know that? What the heck is that for? (laughs) You're going to see some of the looks on your faces from my view. The law and his word will go forth from Jerusalem. I thought the law had been done away with. 
So we need to really understand what that means, what that's all about. I hope some of you right now, when you're writing this, are taking notes. That can't be. Surely that not is. I'm making some pretty serious statements here. By the way, these are statements. I'm not giving you conjectures yet. I will give you a couple of those before this is done. Massive population on earth. Do you know that the numbers that will rebel at the end of this final age are huge of the sands of the sea? Just the numbers that will rebel against Yeshua himself. Can you fathom that? A thousand years of him ruling and reigning on earth and there's going to be a rebellion? From our perspective, that's pretty wild, isn't it? Not everything will be paradise. Christ and his bride will rule. And they have to with an iron rod. The scriptures tell us. Complacency, the disease of iniquity and sin will be very real and present at this time. When the thousand years is over, our renewed heavens and earth then will come into existence. Is anybody wondering here right now, what is the groom up to? Is that fair? The lion and the lamb during this time will lie down together. Nations will still need to be monitored, refereed and judged. However, they will learn war no more. We are not given in marriage for eternity to each other, just like the angels. There's a reference there in scriptures. We will be just like the angels, not married to each other. Who are we married to? Yeah. Lucifer will be locked away until the very end of the thousand year reign. So all those right now that are claiming the devil made me do it, guess what excuse gets taken away from me over this thousand years? Not from you. Hopefully you're going to be ruling and reigning as kings of priests. But the nature of sin or fallen mankind is going to be exposed ultimately for what it is during this time. As well as a lot of other good things. You've been invited to be a part of something that's actually going to be an incredible statement. I'm about to make an outlandish one. We will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, by the way, it doesn't just say the Jews, does it? It's not just Judah. We will judge the angels. What? (laughs) What's going on here? Right now, a lot of you are going, where is that in my scripture? I've never seen that. You're about to. The wedding of the Lamb. Kicks this whole thing off. By the way, just so you know, here's just some of the scriptures referring to the millennial reign. I'm about to give you some others. When you go and do your homework on that, quickly write these down. Hold on. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, okay? All these PDFs I'm gonna make available to the elders and the pastoral team, okay? And I'm gonna make them in PDF form, alright? So they're all gonna be there available for you. You can go through and use them to slag me well after the fact. I've, uh, over the last four weeks, you know, as I was talking to self, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, I found a way to really create something that will offend at least somebody at some point in some way. This here just gives you a glimpse of what we're looking at. We can only, believe me, skip a stone over this one. But here's my outlandish statement. What if I told you that you've been invited to raising the eternal family? What does a bride and a groom do after they get married? Yeah, we're not talking about some sort of sexual sex here or something. The typology is what? 
A bride and a groom will raise what? A family. Do you know his model is built in right into his plan right to the very end? Do you know the reason for kings and priests? Do you know what they do? They govern. Do you know what you do as parents? What do you do with your children? You raise them. You govern them. Wow. I'm going to make a statement to you here. And I absolutely category believe this. Here's conjecture. But the numbers alone that rebel are of the sands of the sea. So here's where I'm getting my conjecture from. It is based on scripture. The greatest numbers that will inhabit eternity are about to come in the age to come. See, we think it's all about us in the here and now, don't we? Maybe what history has been. But do we see it in his eyes? What is he about to do? You think the world's overpopulated? Really? You can fit everybody on the face of the earth. Give them one square meter in the state of Nevada alone. Don't buy into these arguments. I assure you what we're seeing in the world today is something being run by the wrong side. When you get perfect rule and reign, guess what will happen to the greed that is causing the starvation? Guess what will happen to the weather patterns that are causing these problems when his presence is here and proper rule and government's on? We're not overpopulated, folks. We're just trying to run this in a fallen state with a fallen model. Okay? Blessed and holy is a part in the first resurrection. For the second death has no power. And they shall be priests of God and of Christ. Wow. And shall reign with him a thousand years. So is this just all Curtis Reed's little conjecture? What is scripture actually saying? By the way, it says the first resurrection. So everybody wants to get into these many resurrection things going on. I'm sorry. That will happen. On the Feast of Trumpets is a part of his appointed times. To him that overcomes, this is given in Revelation, right? To the Laodicean church. This is the lukewarm church. So I got the worst report card out of the bunch. They also got the best promise to bring a point home if you overcome. To him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in the throne. Even as I have also overcome, I have sat down with my father in his throne. Can we get a grasp of what you're reading? I can't, not yet. But slowly but surely, he is putting in my spirit this understanding of what's coming. Do you think that I could be bothered with the plans of Antichrist seeing that? To be consumed with these morbid conspiracy theories and this religious rhetoric and garbage that's being pumped out by something called a prophecy industry right now in Christianity? I read that and I'm going, holy mackerel, (laughs) what's going on here? So I'm going to spend what little time I have in my natural life worrying about what the devil's up to or am I going to sit there looking at the promises of my groom? Let's keep our eyes on the prize. This is serious. I didn't write it. He did. My goodness. If we could actually get this, as Greg was saying this morning, if we could get this in our spirit, what would our lives start to really look like now? Mine's slowly changing. The world's going slowly, slowly dim to me.
lately. And I'm glad it is. I'm getting more excited about his plans. For unto us a child is born, a son is given to him. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. By the way, if anybody doesn't think the deity of what's sitting on the throne is real, well, I'm telling you, Scripture says it is. Interesting. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And the throne of David and upon the kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice. Henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The next and final temple will be built in the millennium. There will be ruling witnesses and remembrance purposes only. Who's the temple? We are. So we've got to kind of grapple with this. He's actually setting something up for who? For us? See, we have gone on to incorruptibility at this stage. This is where it's interesting. But there's a remnant and a seed that's going to come out of something called the Great Tribulation that hasn't. They were not resurrected into an immortal state. Something's going to start, just like coming off the ark, just all these things. Something is going to start, kick off this thousand years. For those of you who are the bride of Christ, you are the temple. You are in that relationship with them. It is not what you've been called to or what you've been invited to. You've been invited to participate in the wedding of the Lamb. You've been participated to invite in raising the eternal family. You didn't choose that. Neither did I. But you've been given that opportunity. Wow. What does he know that we don't? A lot. The final age, not about perfect peace, but it will have perfect rule. Interesting. You would think that's an oxymoron, wouldn't you? How is this possible? He will rule with an iron rod at this time, and his bride will be a ruling government with him. People often say to me, Curtis, why do you have so much scripture when you're talking? Well, when I'm teaching and not preaching so much, which is what we've been doing in this series. One thing I know for sure, when I'm reading scripture, I'm telling the truth. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God into his throne. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of thee. And thou shalt know the Lord of hosts of host was sent to me. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the Holy Land, and choose Jerusalem once again. In that day. A day is but a thousand years and a thousand years but of a day. The bride will judge the twelve tribes of Israel. She will judge the angels. Okay. I appoint unto you a kingdom as my fathers appointed to me. So he is speaking to the disciples. Look at this. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones. What? Wow. So there's a seed from the 12 tribes of Israel that's going to populate something called this last thousand years. And guess what you've been called to? Kings and priests in assessing that raising of the eternal family. Gets one step deeper. Do you not know the saints shall judge the world? 
and the world will be judged by you. Are you unworthy to judge the smallest of matters? We need to take stock of ourselves right now. If you look at what we've been invited to. Do you not know we shall judge the angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? Who here can fathom judging the angelic realm? This is seriously amazing, what we're reading in Scripture. We have been robbed by dogmatic, boring, religious tradition that has kept us from discussing and viewing the life that the groom has invited us to now and in the age to come. So we can play church and religion for the rest of our days here, or we can seek who our groom actually is. Get together, walk together, love one another, and find out who he is. That's our choice. But I can promise you this. That's not lying. The surviving remnant, the great tribulation, will see this final age. Really, Curtis, where'd you get that from? The Bible. And it shall come to pass in that day, the Lord shall set his hand against what? For the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be what? Left. From Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathos, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, and from Hamath, and ooh, and from the islands of the... You mean this remnant's being recovered from all over the world? Yes. This will be locked up, sealed during this time. I already mentioned that, but here's the scriptures to prove it. And he sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for what? One thousand years. Just to make the point. And he threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not what? Deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Isn't it stunning that you actually have religious organizations, cults and sects that think this is like allegorical? What do you want to spiritualize there? How detailed do you have to start getting? (laughs) Then I saw the throne and seated on them were those who had the authority to judge was committed. By the way, that's our 24 elders that are sitting there right now. And I saw before those who had been beheaded for their testimony of Jesus and the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on the forehead and the hands. They came to life and reigned with him for a thousand years. And the rest of the dead did not come alive until the thousand years were ended. For this is the first resurrection. By the way, again, we're skipping a stone over this. It just says it over and over and over again. This subject matter you could spend weeks on. And yet most people, and be honest, before today, how many people ever had a conversation of the next stage in the millennial reign? All right, smarty pants. <laughs> There's always one. 
No, they, the thing is, is most people, Mike put his hand up, I know he's doing this. A number of others that I walk with that do that, I know you do this. The majority don't. But I know the people that put their hands up here and admitted this, hunger and thirst for truth. The fact you didn't put your hand up doesn't mean you don't. But sometimes it takes us walking together to find out and actually look together and get beside people and walk to another in community, in discipleship, your life groups, coming together like this. Do you know it says that in the last days some are going to forsake gathering together? They want to be an island unto themselves. I promise you, do not do this at this time. Walk together and contend. There will be, still be a rebellion at the end of the final age. The great populations that rebel will be great. Okay. I made that statement earlier. When the thousand years has expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog to gather them together to battle. The number of whom are of the sands of the sea. How does that happen, by the way? We're going to touch, we're going to come back to that one. Actually, no, I'm going to deal with it right now. We're going to deal with this one. I want you to, anybody here, um, have children that have been born into, have only ever known computers? Put up your hands. Is a computer strange to them? Not at all. Some of you that have lived the journey from no computers to what you see today, has it been kind of like, wow, what's going on? The journey, it's been incredible, hasn't it? And the speed of it. The different position of the child and the parent and that, and the one who's done the journey is very interesting. We think this is awesome. Think of this spiritually now. If you're born two or three generations into the millennial age, and all you have ever known is King Yeshua sitting on the throne, will this be weird? If all you've ever known is the Bride of Christ. You see, we don't really know the depth of what sits inside our fallen state. And if we're administering this government, we're about to see this happen in its real thing. It's going to play out. In fact, I would suggest to you that the gospel message and the blood that bought us and the grace and the mercy that's been afforded us may even have a greater emphasis in the age to come. Because eventually as it goes on, what are these, Brian, are they telling us the truth? Who is this devil anyways? Isn't this just myth? Oh, they go on about this. Oh, I don't like this rule. How do you get the numbers to rebel this large by time it's over? I can tell you this. It's a fallen state. It's a complacency. We can't fathom doing that because of the position we have lived. But when everything becomes normal, when everything you can take for granted, when everything is there at your disposal, what starts to happen? Believe me, it's possible. The fallen state makes it possible. We have a job to do going forth, but we are doing it in a very neat state. This is the animal sacrifice for those of you that thought that was crazy. And the chambers and the entries, there of the post of the gates were washed in the burnt offering and on the porch and the gate, two tables on the side, two tables on what? Uh, on the other side to slay there on a burnt offering, a sin offering, a trespass offering. I'm just giving this as an example. The last eight chapters of Ezekiel will explain to you and show you the building of the millennial temple. Remember context, whenever we look at this, who said it, when was it being said, 
Why was it being said and who is it being said to? And the whole counsel of God. Answer those four questions in the whole counsel of God and you will understand what you're reading. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be what? Accepted upon my altar for the house shall be called the house of prayer for all people. Go find out in Isaiah what's being talked about here. Don't just read the one scripture. Read before and after. It's going to surprise you. And every part in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them. And there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord and the host on that day. Now, this is, this is where it gets interesting. Why? Do you know the scholars don't fully know what's going on other than this? We often look at what was done for us in something we call or we've come to know of in Christianity as communion, right? I'm trying to encourage that we should actually be looking at this in the sense of Passover. But it's remembrance. There's something going on. But if there is a whole people that can still make a choice on the earth during that thousand years not to know and love him, then he may be taking this and making it on steroids and then having somebody with him to raise this eternal family. No devil. And they absolutely are used used to both the body and his presence. Wow. Does he is he looking for someone he can trust to sit beside him? Is do you believe that everybody born into this time would be special to him? The nature of the resurrected body in this age to come. After the eight days again, the disciples were with Thomas with them and with Yeshua. And the doors being shut, he came and stood in their midst and said, peace unto you. Everybody know what this is? This is the upper room. Now, between the resurrection, a lot of them went back to their old jobs. (laughs) After this event, not a hair on their head mattered. Not one. They went to their deaths. They didn't even care. What was it that he was showing them? I've got here. Do we think Yeshua was playing cheap parlor tricks? He's walking through doors. Boo. What's he about to tell these guys? What's he showing them? He's even showing them a capability of something. He didn't even use the door. Now that might have impressed them, but it certainly didn't impress him. Because he's got the truth. He understands how this is working. So he walks through then to that room and Thomas is like freaking out, wasn't he? To the point where he had to touch him. What's going on? I believe, I cannot prove this. Here's my other, I'll put up my conjecture hand now. I believe they were told some of the things we are just taking a glimpse at today. They were actually shown it. Do you know the Bible says more blessed are those who have believed and have not. Why was he doing this? And then he's telling them, in my father's house are many rooms. If this were not so, everybody remember the marriage covenant, the Hebrew marriage covenant? What does the groom go to do? Build a room onto the father's house. There are many rooms. It's not so. Uh, Why would I have told you that I've gone to prepare a place for you? So he's asking the question, of course this is it. 
You know this whole thing. I've gone and going to do this. And I've come to prepare a place for you. I will come again and take you unto myself where I am. You may be also. And you will know the what? Way to where I am going. Now, here's where I'm going to challenge you on something really interesting. This now gets me very excited. At the end of the thousand years, the new heavens and the new earth are going to be destroyed and renewed, made new. Heavens and earth, by the way. If the rooms are being built for us now and prepared in the existing heavens, when do you think you'll use them? We are not married nor given in marriage, but we are as of the angels. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where do the angels go to go to work? Our dimension. We're in a veil. Do you mean they can pierce through and come and go in the veil? I love the typology of a veil because the bride is about to have her veil lifted. We're about to see. Do you remember Elijah when he was saying, please open their eyes and the whole surrounding area was full of flaming chariots and He's going, just let them see. The veil is about to be lifted. You're about to go into a new reality. One you can't fathom because you only have ever known your flesh and blood. Only. But I promise you this. Scripture is not lying. You're about to put on incorruption, immortality. And that is the state in which you will be serving as kings and priests in the age to come. That is an oxymoron that you've got to figure out. And when you do, it will really excite you. You mean it's possible in the age to come I am going to earth to work? Wow. How do we think of that? Not little spaceships. If I meant, we're actually stepping through the veil. Do you think that weird? Do you think it's weird when an angel came to visit the prophets to serve? They'd say, don't bow down in front of John on the island of Patmos. Don't do that. Get up. I'm just but another servant. He's appearing to them through the veil. Yeshua is walking through doors, appearing to them. Go and seek that out. I promise you when you start to get this, it'll bring life. We're being robbed of the little religious dogmas. Don't. Keep pushing forward. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make and shall remain before me, say to the Lord, so you shall seed, what? So your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Wait a minute. You mean that these appointed times and the remembering of them actually push into the millennial reign? Absolutely. All of this is going to point to the raising of a family. We're just doing it from a different position. The appointed times will be honored during this time. I'm going to make a point of this, particularly with the wedding feast. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in the nations will come against Jerusalem and shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and keep what? The Feast of Tabernacles. Now, particularly, this one is singled out in Scripture in a neat way. And it shall be that those who will not come up and the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. So you mean that there's actually a judgment of no rain going on if you don't honor this. Now, this is fascinating because people go, oh, we don't need to know this stuff. Yet in the age to come, which we're going to govern, which we're going to walk as his bride... 
I can't be bothered knowing this, yet there's actually a judgment coming for those nations who don't wish to do it in the age to come. But somehow it's not important to them now. I'd say there's something serious to contend there with Scripture. But here's where it gets really interesting. The Feast of Tabernacles is the one feast, and he makes a point of this, the only one that I know of in Scripture where a judgment comes upon those who will not honor it. And that is his wedding. I almost get this sense. I can't prove this, but this is what I get in my spirit. It's what I got in my spirit with many tears. Curtis, they can disgrace me. They cannot care about when I came, why I came, the prophecy I fulfilled to the day, where I asked them to look. But if they will not honor my bride during that thousand years, there will be a judgment. Do you have a groom who bought you at a price who's serious? You can do it to me, but you're not doing it to her. The animal kingdom shall live together in harmony. Sorry, no more bacon, guys. Here's why. The wolf and the lamb will what? Feed together. The lion will eat straw and the bullock shall eat dust. And thus will be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fall... and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, and their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. In other words, the animal kingdom, entropy's been rolled back, they're not killing each other anymore. And I mentioned the entropy, so we'll just have a look at it. No more shall there be an, an infant who lives but a few days, and an old man who does not fill out his days. Didn't say doesn't die. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old that shall be considered accursed. You mean that if you died a hundred years old in the future millennium, you're born into this? You'll be considered accursed? You had a short life. Do you mean people are going to be living hundreds of years again? Yes. Just like before the flood. Men will no longer learn war. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke the strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Anybody who's had any doubt, do you believe that describes your world? today that's coming we're going to end where we started does anybody remember what the bible is all about what i've been desperately trying to share with you and not us get us too caught up in all the fear-based mongering when we talk about the appointed times and certainly the end times but to actually i pointed you to something to know what you're actually invited to and what you're a part of It's all about a 6,000-year betrothal broken because of a spiritually adulterous bride. It ends in a marriage to a repentant wife. She will rule and reign with him for a 1,000 years in the age to come. It was restored and sealed on a wooden cross 2,000 years ago with the blood of a groom. 
The covenant with his beloved people could only be restored and made new through his death to give us a chance that we now may may make the sovereign choice to love, obey him or not. This is not a shotgun wedding. He's finding out who loves him. Welcome to the meaning of your life. To allow eternity to be truly legit. Law versus grace. A marriage covenant perspective. We've got the Ten Commandments. I shared with you that I believe this is your marriage contract. How can that be? Isn't this about the law? Well, there was the law of Moses, statue and ordinances. These were actually designed to bear witness against us. They were put into the side of the ark. Go read in Deuteronomy. But something was stuck inside the ark that has a mercy seat over it, that has blood that paid a huge price for it. It's called the, the covenant or the Ten Commandments. Yeshua summed them up with the greatest commandment. We're just going to look at them. Thou shall have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. <coughs> Honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, wife, or possession. <coughs> I'm going to say something. You can get there by writing it on stone and putting the hammer of judgment down. Or you can just forget about it. It doesn't matter. This is what I want, but who cares? Just live your life the way you want. And we can cheapen it. Or we can find out what that really means. I'm going to put this in plain English for you. And many people shall come and say, Lord, come up to the mountain of the Lord and the house of God, Jacob, and he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. And for out of Zion shall go the law. What law? Do your homework on this. It's not the law of Moses. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We know that's not happening right now. That's for darn sure. And many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God and Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The Pharisees are trying to catch him out. What's the greatest of all these? And here's the beautiful thing that he sums up now. And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. By the way, when you understand heart, soul, and mind, you will see the first three of what you call the Ten Commandments. The fourth is the one that joins us together. We spend some time together. We call it a Sabbath. But the last six are all focused on the behavior of man. What's the second one after this? And thou shalt love your... Neighbor as yourself. He summed up. He said, all of the law and the prophets hang off of. For the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wow. You mean the Old Testament that's all about law and pushing and animal sacrifice and all this? You mean the intent then was always to go on the heart? Absolutely. Hebrews confirms this again. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their heart and write them on their minds. Okay. Put this in plain English. I desire you to have no other lovers but me. I desire you not keep any pictures of previous lovers. 
I desire you not disgrace my family name. I desire you to remember to keep in honor one day a week for just us. I desire you would always honor our parents. I desire you do not harm those I love. I desire you do not have any other intimate relationships. I desire you do not steal from those I love. I desire you do not lie about those I love. I desire you always appreciate the treasure. Always appreciate and treasure what I've given you and not what others have. And know I will always love you. Is there anybody here that wouldn't like that on the heart of your spouse today? Never mind in the age to come. Don't throw it away. His bud played the prize. I'm going to finish here. When we look at things like we've done in the last five weeks, and I thank you for the honor to share with you, to be with you, and to go through all of this. Um, and sometimes when we contend with truth, there's three things that you often see. I know I've experienced them over the years. Some will deny at first. They will eventually look deeper and repent. I call that Peter. He had 11 he was contending with. You know what? That's a fair place and we go through this. There's another one. Some will betray. They actually will not look any further and in the end will become a divisive vessel to the body. And the Judas. This is what I believe we've been doing as a body. I believe we're a body of Timothys. That we're actually here and repent and we'll walk in unity with others. That we will actually seek and contend for his truth together. Let us not take the Judas and Peter out. Let us be the Timothys. Let us hear and let us walk together. And as we have questions and all these sorts of things, let's come together. Let's contend. Let's see the spirit and truth that he has for us because this is how it ends. The spirit and the bride say what? Come. They both proclaim it. It's time. She is more interested now in what's to come than the life she has here. And let those who are thirsty come and let those who desire come. Do you know what sums the bride up? She hears, she thirsts, and she desires. (coughs) Who does she hear, who does she thirst, and who does she desire? Her groom. Thank you, everyone. I appreciate the time we've had together. And I appreciate you for hearing me out. And I'm looking forward and excited for the journey we have ahead. Thank you.